0: Here, Richter, what's your game then? You come on here with your peace and your free love, and really, you're just another psycho killer GM. You want to kill my character? Well, I'll tell you what, you kill my character, you, I want to get them dice, I want to chuck them up in the air, I f- get my mountain dew, chuck that in your face, flip the table, then I'm walking straight out the door and making double short or slam it proper loud behind me. What? Kill my character? You're having a laugh, mate. That took me ages to make that character. I've had it 35 years, and you just go and kill it with your cobalt ambush? Get out of it. Killer GM's typical, and they want to blame the players for having a bad attitude. I don't know players with a bad attitude. I don't know anybody with a bad attitude. Nothing wrong with flipping the table when you ain't happy. Faw. Tell me what to think. Kind of riling everybody up. What's up with you?
1: Welcome back, everybody. My name is Joe Richter, and it's time to sit back and relax as I feel my way through another episode of Hindsightless. (laughs) (laughs) So that was... The irascible, the incorrigible, the one and only Mr. Colin Spike Pit Green starting off the show with an amazing response to my Don't Have a Cow episode. But listen up, Green. If you think you'd be the first player to leave my house by slamming the door, you'd be well wrong, my friend. But get this. The person who did leave my house during a game by slamming the door wasn't even the one demonstrating bad player behavior. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. Man, but that's a story for a different day. Today we're going to be talking about if it's better to do it in the dark. What do I mean? I'm going to be talking about if using light and darkness mechanics in role-playing games is worth the extra effort and bookkeeping. Uh, But before that, I have some voice messages to go through and uh yeah we're gonna kick it off with my buddy jason who's got something to say about the crow so you know i'll be having something to say about that so what's up jason
2: okay i'll give it to you this is jason the crow is a pretty great movie um it's not a superhero movie which is fine but it's a pretty great movie I'd forgotten what a great cast it is. An additional brand, Lee had Ernie Hudson, David Patrick Kelly, Michael Berryman, Tony Todd. Great cast. Excellent movie. So, like I said, I wouldn't class this as a comic book movie, but it does have some other contenders in the class it's in. Now, I think it's probably better than them, but it falls in the same categories like The Wraith, or like the Clint Eastwood Western where he comes back after they hung him. Is that Pale Rider? I don't remember. Anyway, I think the I give it to you. The Crow is a pretty awesome movie. Except for the one plot hole. How'd the cat survive and be so healthy up there in that loft by itself for a year? Huh? Huh? That's what I want to know. Hey Joe, this is Jason again. Just want to leave one last movie. I mentioned the other movies The Crow was like. The Wraith, which if you haven't seen The Wraith, you need to check it out. It's actually 80s goodness. Um, the Clint Eastwood work movie where he got hung. Is that Pale Rider? High, High Plains Drifter? We, I didn't remember. And of course, the other one's Pumpkinhead. That's the other revenge movie in this genre. And I know you'll probably balk at including Pumpkinhead with a crow, but now you'll never get them apart. Ha ha ha. Talk to you later.
1: What's up, Jason, man? Thanks for the call in. And I am so excited that you watched the crow again and that you seem to re-like it. Um, But let me just cover the one plot hole you brought up real fast, because it's not a plot hole at all. How the cat survived is because it just ate some mice living up in that attic, or a bird. Maybe it even ate a crow. But anyway, man... Uh, I have not seen The Wraith, but it sounds super rad. I love 80s movies. It's got a dope title, so I'll see if it's on Netflix and see if I can watch it. Uh, And I do love me some Clint Eastwood movies, but I don't remember either which one it is where he comes back. Uh, But both of those movies, High Plains Drifter and um, shit, the other one you mentioned, Anyway, man, they're awesome movies. So thank you so much for the call in. That was really cool. Uh, And like I said, I'm just really glad that you uh, watched it again because the cast is amazing. But yeah, dude, I hope you have a super rad day. So now let's hear what Liren's got to say. Hey, Joe. I know what you mean about not getting distributed. It's Liren. And you know, Jeff's podcast, Tome of All Dooms, went on a whole bunch of them. I think all but two And he contacted support and they immediately put his podcast on the other two. So mine didn't do that. Mine's only on, you know, a few random ones. It's not on main ones. And so I contacted them and I'm still not on the main one. So I don't know what the deal is. You could contact them, though. It might help. Anyway, good luck. I'm going to find your show wherever I have to. And I listen on Anchor so I can leave you messages. (laughs) Have a good one. Hey, Liran, what up? It is always a pleasure to hear from you. Um happy to say my uh my situation with distribution has been pretty much taken care of. I did reach out to them and but before that happened, I went to iTunes myself and put my podcast up there for review. So it's under the review process right now. And once that gets done, I have a feeling it will, my show will get distributed on a bunch of other podcasts, but I am on Spotify and Google play. Uh, Those are the two big ones I'm on. Plus I'm on a couple other little ones besides anchor, because I know anchor is not the best platform to listen on, but you know, thanks for your concern and your suggestion. I super appreciate it. It's always awesome to talk to you. And if you want to hear more of Laren and myself talking, you should check out one of the recent episodes of her podcast, Updates from the Middle of Nowhere, where she interviews me. And it was amazing. I think that was probably the first time I've ever been interviewed. If it wasn't, it was the first time in decades. So it was a really, really fun, super cool experience. Check it out. Her show is awesome, and I recommend it super highly. So, uh, yeah, thanks again for that, And That was really cool. That was super fun. And speaking of really cool and fun, let's hear what old Spencer, old Free Thrall has to say.
0: Hey, Joe. I just wanted to say thank you so much for your message. Uh, that really, really touched me, Um I I guess I possibly had you in mind when I was talking about us dealing with our own issues, and I couldn't begin to imagine what it's like to put myself in your shoes. Um, I guess you learn to play with the hand you're dealt, and you know try and make the best of it. I also listened to your interview this morning with Liran. That was incredible. Such a, such a wonderful, giving, generous, person. And, uh, boy, you can move. I watched the sonic boom thing. (laughs) That, That was awesome, man. Awesome,
1: dude, Spencer. Thank you so much, man. Thank you for being you. Thank you for being awesome. Thank you for putting yourself out there the way you do, dude. Uh, so his message to me was a response to a call-in I left on his show, Keep Off the Borderlands, where he gave an analogy for folks just to kind of try and imagine what it is that he has to deal with. And, you know, I found that super touching and poignant. And, uh, Spencer, I'd, I'll, I'll return the favor. Um, you know, if you or if anyone wants to – Kind of get, you know, a slight inkling on what it might be like uh, for me on a daily basis. Grab a pair of glasses that aren't your prescription. Take a piece of steel wool. Just scratch the hell out of the center. Leave the outer edge of the glasses okay. Um, and wear those around for a while. And that gives a slight but very incomplete idea of some of the things I have to deal with. I still have floaters. I have moving blind spots. I have tracers. I have all kinds of colors uh, that dance around. It's kind of like I'm on low-grade acid all the time. Uh, And my brain does what the human brain is designed to do and tries to put together patterns of the sensory input that's coming in. But because the sensory information that's coming in is so incomplete and spotty my brain makes these crazy patterns so i'll see things that aren't there i won't see things that are there and so i can never trust my eyes like i'll be walking down the street and think that somebody's coming at me and kind of jump but it'll just be a shadow or a bush or I'll be walking down the street and I'll take a step and there's no one there. The next step, I'm almost running smack into someone who's been walking towards me the whole time. And I didn't see them until the last second. And so my life is kind of just constantly full of 80s jump scares. <laughs> Which is all right because I do love me some 80s movies. But yeah, Spencer, again, just thanks for your super kind words. That were that was really super touching, man and okay let's uh let's let's dig into this thing i picked that transition because it's a little spooky and we're in october um so i thought it was fitting But before we dive into the main topic, there's two quick things. First, uh, happy late birthday to Mr. Dave Arneson. You were an amazing person who contributed mightily to my favorite hobby in the world, so thank you. And lastly, before we dive in, I hear you, Shandy Andy. I got your message, and I read you loud and clear, my friend. I'm on board. I'm on board with the mission, dude our secret clandestine mission. I am on it. But, speaking of clandestine, you know, when you're sneaking around, it's good to be in the dark. But, is adding the penalties and paying attention to radiuses of light and dark, is all that worth the time and effort and bookkeeping that it takes? And depending on the type of game you're playing, I I just don't know if you're playing a very simulationist, a very survival-based game, then yeah, you know, I guess I guess that does add to the fun, possibly. To I don't think it adds to the story, but it might add to the fun or the sense of realism. But if you're not, I don't think it's really worth it at all like I don't know so the last session I ran they were in a deep dark cave and so I started it off okay who's got light who's casting light who's got a torch who's got dark vision but honestly like and I you know I was like cool like we're gonna we're gonna pay attention to this because it's gonna make them think and take up their resources and blah 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 but honestly once we got to the first encounter boom that was gone out of my mind I had too much other stuff to worry about, um, and you know, Pathfinder and Pathfinder two—they have very complete, thorough, spelled-out rules for how light works, how darkness works, yada yada yada. But I just, I just can't be bothered. Honestly, <laughs> I just really can't. Yes, it would have made all the encounters much harder if I would have made them pay attention to light especially when they were trying to cross the chasm that would have been super hard for them and used up more of their resources which you know i guess that's cool i get it but when i'm running and trying to tell a story and trying to deal with a bunch of mechanics adding one extra mechanic to me just doesn't seem like it's worth the trouble you know what i mean so I'll do it in the beginning, but once we get into combat or the encounters and stuff, I'm just probably not going to remember to do it. To pay attention to, are you within 20 feet of the torch? Okay, then you're in bright light. If you're within 30 to 40 feet, you're in dim light, which means this other thing. And if you're past that, you're in darkness, which means yet another thing. Like, ah, man, I, I got monsters to deal with, with a bunch of abilities. And yeah, if if it came down to it where that was going to be an integral part of the encounter, where it really, really mattered, yes, I would, I would do it. I would force myself to pay attention. But just in general, I just don't think it's worth it. Especially when you start getting, you know, we're right now, my players are all at ninth level. And so... You know, when they're at that level, they can deal with it. Like, you know, they know what to do in the dark. They're fine. So, yeah, I don't know. Do y'all, do you pay attention? Are you nitpicky when it comes to light and dark? I heard uh, Frothsoft talking about this a while ago you know, with running online games. And I guess with online games, if you're using like Roll20 or something and you have all your maps loaded and you have dynamic lighting and this and that, if it's going to take care of it for you, I mean, that's cool. Uh, But if you're playing around a real table, yeah, I just, I personally just don't think it's worth it. But let me know what you folks think. Um, Let me know if you like to leave the lights on or if you like it, with the lights off man personally for me i like to do it with the lights on uh move those minis around you know but anyway uh i think i've rambled on for long enough so let me say some closing words and let you lovely lovely folks get on with your day there you have it my little discussion on light and dark um and my question do you care about it in your games when you're running a game do you care about it uh if you're a player do you you know do you try and keep it a secret if the gm forgets about it or do you point that out anyway i don't know i like to hear what other folks do in their games so yeah, but as always, thank you so much to everyone who called in, you know, Colin and Liran and Jason and Spencer and Shandy Andy. Thank you all so much. And I know you didn't hear Shandy Andy's voice on this one, but he left me a secret message. That's between me and him and someone else out there in Anchorite land. But we got our eye on you. Trust me. Uh Anyway, folks, so that's it. That's all. I'm going to sign off. I'll catch you next time. And until then, peace
2: out.